Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is the sermon on February 9th, 2020. The Role of the Right Relationship is part six of the eight-part worship series, A Fresh Start. The preacher is Bishop Bruce R.O., and the scripture is Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40, and Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. My friends, listen to me. I want to tell you about Jesus, said Paul. Everywhere he went, people stopped to listen to Paul's good news, and many people learned to love Jesus. But not everybody. Some people became angry when Paul talked about Jesus. They dragged Paul, they grabbed Paul and dragged him to jail. Then they arrested Paul's friend Silas, too. Lock them up. Don't let them run away, said the soldiers. Not a chance, said the jailer. And to make very sure Paul and Silas didn't escape, the jailer chained their hands and their feet. Then he locked the door tight. We all hear the lock. Window bars, a door locked tight. Chains on their hands and feet. It's enough to make a person cry. But Paul and Silas didn't cry. Instead, they sang a song in the night. They prayed to Jesus, too. In the middle of the song, the prison began to rattle and shake. Window bars cracked. The door banged open. Chains fell from everyone's hands and feet. I wonder if Paul and Silas ran away. The jailer wondered, too. He was worried what would happen to him if Paul and Silas ran away. He grabbed a light and ran to see. There they sat. They had not run away. The jailer was amazed to see them. What must I do to be saved? The jailer asked Paul and Silas. Believe in Jesus, they said. Then Paul and Silas told the jailer and his family all about Jesus. The jailer wanted to sing for joy. I do believe in Jesus, he said. His family did too. What a night for singing. In addition to our reading from Acts, which we had in the time with children, so here are these words from the epistle of 1 John. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born from God. Whoever loves someone who is a parent loves the child born to the parent. This is how we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep commandments. This is the love of God. We keep God's commandments. God's commandments are not difficult because everyone who is born from God defeats the world. And this is the victory that has defeated the world, our faith. Who defeats the world? Isn't it the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And hear this from Luke. Jesus said, But I say to you who are willing to hear, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks, and don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people in the same way that you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. 
If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act, for the Most High is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate, just as God Almighty is compassionate. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's my pleasure to introduce Bishop Bruce R. O. to our congregation this morning. Bishop O. is the resident bishop of the Dakotas, Minnesota area of the United Methodist Church, where he served since 2012. He was the bishop of the West Ohio area for 12 years and has served as a church pastor, a district superintendent, and in extension ministries in Iowa, North Indiana, and the Dakotas. There's a lot more to his work history, but let me tell you from a personal experience, Bishop is a visionary storyteller, and he is a powerful story curator for others' stories. He, uh, he mentors new pastors, he sees the best in you, he points you toward your untapped potential, and he presents opportunities for growth as a leader and spiritually. He works tirelessly at many tables to find common ground and ways forward in the name of Jesus. When we were in the Holy Land together about five years ago, he gifted us with guides who gave us a full-view picture of the Israeli-Palestinian relationship so that we as travelers could truly wrestle with the tension of such a challenging situation. And when I had the bizarre idea to have Life Camp challenge him to jump into a frozen lake to raise money for camp scholarships, <laughs> the man did it. Yeah. So $10,000, I think $10, it was. $10,000, yes. yeah. There's video online, <laughs> friends. Maybe we'll have to post that this week. As he's the bishop of both Minnesota and the Dakota's annual conferences, we are doing a joint conference in Sioux Falls this June, which will either save him work or give him a whole lot more work. And Bishop is retiring this summer, as he will soon reach the mandatory retirement age for bishops, which is an age that you are free to look up on your own. <laughs> Friends, will you please welcome Bishop Bruce R. Oak. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. <clears throat> Wonderful introduction. I'm glad you didn't post that uh, picture of me jumping into Lake uh, Coronas. Uh, that's not the most flattering uh, <laughs> picture. So, well, I want to greet you all in the, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who, of course, uh, is present with us. Because whenever we gather as a community of believers, we are in the presence of the risen Christ through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is in the house. You've already sensed that, right? With the excellent music we've had and the prayers, yes, what a, what a joy to be in a place where uh, there's that kind of uh, praise being lifted, up, being lifted up to God. And thank you all for coming out on this snowy day. Uh, a couple of, couple of you asked me, or a couple of you approached me and said, we're so glad you made it. Well, I grew up in uh, northwest North Dakota, so... Like, like this was like, you know, six months of the year, so it was nothing. So, but I'm glad you're all here. I'm really pleased to join you today, and I want to thank Pastor Nate for uh, the invitation to preach and engage with each of you this morning. Uh, Nate has asked me to uh, try to fit into your sermon series that you've been doing. I hate that when pastors say, will you come and preach? <laughs> and, then, and then tell you what you have to preach on, because <clears throat> um, that means I couldn't use one of my two good sermons. 
I had to come up with something different. So, well, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, uh, I'm really delighted you're in this, uh, this whole series uh, throughout the year uh, called Activate. And as you know, um, where you are in that process, the topic for today is the role of right relationship. Um, I also want to just take a moment to uh, thank uh, Pastor Nate, Pastor Hope, and all of your staff for the outstanding leadership they provide uh, this congregation and the many things they do uh, throughout the conference uh, to also provide leadership. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give them a little uh, applause blessing, and you can join me if you want. <laughs> I also want to give a shout-out to this congregation for your um, inclusive, inclusiveness, for your outreach to the community uh, and uh, the world through your mission efforts and your connectional stewardship. Uh, this is a good congregation. You know that about yourselves, right? Yeah, it's a good congregation. And um, I continue to pray for you as uh, you are living into uh, your future. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we are grateful to be here today. We thank you for the safe travel for those who ventured out. And we pray now that as we enter more fully into our worship this morning, that you will open our hearts so that you might come, O Christ, and dwell within us and shape and form us into your image for the sake of the world. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Welcome to our world. Welcome to our world. Proclaim the big, bold banner over the boat dealership. Shar and I uh, and our three sons had recently moved to Indiana, where I was called to serve as the director of the Oakwood Spiritual Life Center, located on Lake Wawasee, which is this very large, beautiful lake in northern Indiana. We had purchased a home on the lake, and now we were in the market for a motorboat. The kids wanted to learn how to ski. Welcome to our world, proclaimed the bold, big banner over the boat dealership. Our world consisted of a large number of very expensive boats, trailers, and assorted boating equipment. We don't sell boats, said the savvy salesperson. We sell dreams, fantasies, escapes from the real world. I actually thought this was a perceptive insight. I could see myself dressed in a blue blazer, captain's hat, white duck pants, tooling around the clear blue waters of Lake Wawasee, and of course my three sons were just as enthralled as I was. I could see myself not just piloting a beautiful, powerful boat, but actually moving from one world to another. The salesperson, sensing my taking the bait, called my world the real world and implied he could help me navigate myself and my family to some fantasy world. He wasn't selling boats. He was selling a totally different world. On Saturdays, put on your lake clothes, get in your boat, push off from your dock, and you'll get to live in a whole new world from where you live during the week. Now, don't get me wrong, I love boating. 
I have owned two different lake homes and three different boats. I am not even anti-fantasy. I love Disney World, and I escape to the movies as often as I can. No, I'm speaking about what constitutes the real world. And who gets the privilege to call which world? Is it the powerful and wealthy? Is it the president of the United States or other world leaders? Is it Wall Street? Is it the followers of Jesus? Do we get to define what constitutes the real world? When a violent earthquake shook the foundations of the prison in which Paul and Silas were being held and the doors flew open and their chains came loose, the jailer drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he assumed his prisoners had escaped and he would surely be put to death anyway by the Roman governor of Macedonia because that was the real world. That's how it operated. But Paul and Silas defined the real world differently. We heard that in the story this morning. They, didn't, they did not try to escape, but instead witnessed to the jailer and showed him that true freedom, true release, could be found in believing in Jesus. A new reality took hold. The jailer welcomed Paul and Silas to his home, washed their wounds, gave them a meal. You see, right relationships, loving relationships, became the real world for that jailer and his family. And the story says, the gospel says, when you get a chance to read it, said that joy filled that household. That became the real world. One of the most insidious means of keeping us caught in the web of the world is the little phrase, the real world. How many times have you heard that? People say, well, that's just the real world. That's just the way it is. The world keeps telling us, well, after all, this is the real world, as if there is no other possible world, as if, as, if it, as if this is as good as it gets, as if this is the only conceivable possibility, as if the powers and principalities of darkness and despair and doubt and defeat and death and division cannot be overcome. First John, which um, Pastor Nate read this morning, says that Jesus frees us from the world and its tight grip. The actual words are this. Everyone who is born from God defeats the world. Everyone who is born of God defeats the world. Some translations say conquer. Everyone who is born of God conquers the world. So how do we conquer that, the, the so-called real world? And, of course, 1 John gives the answer that you all know. It is believe in Christ. <clears throat> what 1 John says, we conquer the world through love. Amen? Amen. On the cross, the world of darkness and sin was unmasked. The violence, the injustice, the world of power and might was put up for all to see. It was unmasked. The hate, prejudice, injustice, selfishness, and self-delusion of the real world were dramatically, unavoidingly, undeniably revealed on the cross. 
But the cross not only revealed our world and its evil, but it also shows us God and God's way of the world. Rather than battle the world on its own terms, God took on the world on God's terms. Those terms were love, self-sacrifice, emptying, sovereignhood, humility, total love. By stretching out his arms and dying, Jesus dismantled the real world. The real world and proclaimed with his death and resurrection, welcome to my world. Welcome to the new creation. Welcome to the kingdom world. On the cross, we get adopted, loved, chosen, called, and embraced by Jesus. Moreover, we get transferred to a different world, a world not ruled by the president in the White House or Madison Avenue, or Wall Street, or corrupt dictators and cartels. We know who sits on the throne and who ultimately owns the world, the true, real world. We know the power and promise of a righteous or holy life, living in right relationships with God, with each other, and with all of creation. This is what Jesus was teaching his disciples in the text we read from Luke's gospel this morning. The context of Jesus' teaching is significant. He had been ministering throughout Galilee and his popularity had increased. Large crowds of disciples, those who were following this rabbi, uh, had increased. They had become very large. And as Jesus often did when the demands of ministry began to drain his spirit power and his spirit energy, he went out to a mountain to pray and prayed to God all night, the gospel tells us. The next morning, he called together all of his disciples and named 12 of them apostles. Now, apostles, as you know, means missionaries or the ones to be sent into the mission field. And then he began to teach the mass of followers gathered on the mountainside. We know this teaching as the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins with blessing the people, the Beatitudes. But these blessings, I want you to go back and read this stuff, these blessings begin to lay the groundwork for the contrast between the real world and the kingdom world. Between the real world and the new creation world. The world that he's inviting all of his disciples and all of us to embrace. God's kingdom belongs to the poor, not the rich. Be blessed. God's kingdom belongs to those who hunger, not those who have plenty. Be blessed. God's kingdom belongs to those who weep, those who are insulted, those who are condemned, those who are hated, those who are rejected, not to those that the world has rewarded. Be blessed. And then Jesus turns his full attention to how his followers, that, is, that would be us, right? How we are to behave toward one another. The kind of relationships we're supposed to have with one another. He turns his full attention to what right relationships, loving relationships, are to look like in the kingdom world. In the world that he came to introduce. To the world that Jesus was ushering in. He begins 
his countercultural teachings. Don't you just love this about the gospel? How about the time we think we got it all figured out, that we understand how the real world works, and we've got God usually kind of pretty much in a box that fits our own needs? Then Jesus comes along and turns everything upside down and, and starts to teach in a different way, starts to teach something different, starts to teach a new reality, a different reality, a new world reality. The real world says, hate your enemies. And Jesus says, I tell you, in the new creation world, you will love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Can't you just hear Jesus saying, welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. The real world says, curse those who curse you or mistreat you. Call them derogatory names and labels. Let you fill in that blank. But Jesus says, I tell you, in the new world, to bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, and offer the other cheek, offer the other cheek. welcome to my world, Jesus is saying. The real world says, if someone takes your coat, repay them with retribution. I tell you, in the kingdom world, to practice a spirit of generosity. Give to everyone who asks, and give them your shirt as well. Welcome to my world. The real world says, judge, condemn, do not forgive, withhold compassion. I tell you, in the new creation, you are to act the way the children of the Most High act. Be grateful, don't judge and condemn, forgive, be compassionate, be generous with your gifts and your love. Welcome to my world. You think, the, you think those disciples on the mountainside, they were getting this? Do you think they were hearing? Look, this is the world you live in. What people tell you is the real world, but I want to tell you about a different world. A new way of being. Now here's the key to what Jesus is teaching us, even today, about right relationships. The real power of the world is not found in the dominating graceless, evil, and unloving ways so often rewarded in the world we live in. No real power is revealed and experienced in God's forgiving, grace-filled, merciful love for us and for all. When you are loved, despite who you are or what you have done or not done or how others have mistreated you, that is power. Isn't that true? That our real power is in knowing that we are loved and in our ability to return that love, that's when we have power. We have power. Because we have experienced that God is love, that God loves us and values us and includes us, we have the confidence to move out to take up residence in a different world, a kingdom on earth as it is in heaven world. How many of you have seen the movie uh, Gladiators, starring uh, Russell Crowe? Have you all seen that? It's pretty violent, but I like it. <laughs> um, do you remember that scene where the gladiators address the Roman emperor by hitting their chests and saying, we who are about to die salute you? Do you remember that scene? We who are about to die salute you, standing in front of the emperor. Now, who knows who St. Telemachus is? Anyone? 
Oh, good. This would be a new story for you then. All right. He was a little-known hermit monk from the eastern part of the Roman Empire who made his way to Rome to witness against the gladiatorial fights. According to the Christian historian Theodoret, Telemachus ran into the Roman Colosseum as the gladiators were saluting the emperor and tried to stop the ruthless killing. He was promptly stabbed to death by one of the gladiators. But the sight of this little monk bleeding to death on the dirt floor of the Roman Colosseum turned the hearts of the people. And the historians say the crowd got up and left in silence. The Christian emperor, Honorus, was so impressed by Telemachus's witness and martyrdom that he issued a ban on gladiatorial fights. And that was the last known gladiator battle in the Roman Colosseum. It was January 1, 404 A.D. Because Telemachus knew Jesus' love, because he embraced Jesus' teachings on right relationships, on how we are to treat one another, and how we are to be in relationship with God, because he believed God's love could conquer the world, he had the courage to move out of the world as it was defined by the Roman culture of his day into a different world defined by kingdom truths and values and vision. This is the same courage demonstrated by Paul and Silas in the prison cell. Isn't it the same courage you want to display? I do. When I see injustice, I want to be able to be confident that I could step out of that world of injustice into a world of justice and witness to it. I want to be able to define a different world, a different way of being in relationship with one another. There it is, our victory, dear friends. We are not slaves to present arrangements. We are not slaves to the way folks want to define the real world. We're not slaves to the violence-prone, immoral, truth-destroying, vengeful, and exploitive relationships of the so-called real world. We are not slaves to the political processes and maneuvering justified by winning in the real world. We are not slaves to exclusion of God's people from our country, our churches, our institutions, all designed to wall off sisters and brothers from our real world. We're not slaves to consuming or destroying God's beautiful creation for the gains of the real world. We are not slaves to the rampant racism, bigotry, xenophobia, and malice which has become acceptable all in the name of living in the real world. Well, that's just the way it is. It's just the real world. Friends, this is not our world. This is not our world. 
We know there is an alternative world, and we are made for it. Did you hear that? You see, we were created to give expression to this alternative world, to shape this alternative world. We are called to protect, perpetuate, and perfect this alternative world. We were created for right relationships, loving relationships, life-giving relationships with God and our neighbors. We know we are conquerors through Christ who loves us. So, welcome to God's world. Amen. That should be the big bold banner out in front of our dealership, right? Welcome to God's world. So let us go forth today and every day to bear witness to the true, the true real world. May it be so. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2020. Now go into God's world knowing you are a beloved child and bear witness to the love of God so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.